Hey everyone, this is X O'Connor and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show. And again, end of this month, huge announcement and very special episode coming. So make sure you're staying tuned. You're not going to want to miss it. We got something really special in store for all of you. And, uh, you know, if you want to keep up with all things Full Circle Music, follow us on Instagram at official FC Music. But that's enough out of me. Let's get us into this episode. Hi, this is Seth Mosley and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Today, we've got Callie Heiligenthal. She is from Bethel Music, has songs Everbe and Spirit Move, which have been just massive songs in the global church. And they came out of a very interesting place. So we get to hear a little bit about the story. Now, we've heard a lot of story behind the song things. There's a YouTube video for about every single song out there. But I love this interview because she gets really vulnerable about what it actually took to give birth and life to those songs and the process really that as a songwriter, you have to face when you're new, when you're breaking into the industry, into the business. And really when you feel called to have songs written to be sung by the church. So I learned a lot in this one. I hope you will too. And be looking out for a record from her. It's going to be probably towards the end of 2018 all right, we're going to jump into the studio in Redding, California, live at Bethel Music Studios. Here's a conversation I had with Callie Heiligenthal. I'm here at Bethel Music Studios with Callie Heiligenthal. Heiligenthal. Oh. I'll take it. No, it was so close. I'm, I shouldn't have been Heiligenthal. like that. Yeah. I've worked so hard and I practiced and I'm prepared sorry. and did it wrong. The thing so. is, I have people still in my, like, who are in our wedding who don't know how to pronounce it because I didn't just say right away, like, oh, it's that instead. Yeah. I'm Minnesotan, so it's like too nice. And yeah. then eight years later, you can't correct, you know? So, so for you launching your artist career, are you like, what are people going to say on the radio? whatever comes out of their mouth, I guess. (laughs) Everybody's best attempt, and then we'll all giggle after. Well, I know when Francesca Battistelli first came out, people were like, Francesca Biscotti? (laughs) Right, yes. Yes. Balsamic? (laughs) Right. Like, you're probably, you just kind of have to like roll with it, right? Yeah, I think so. I guess for a while I talked with my husband, I'm like, maybe I'll just like go with Hailey, the first little part. And he's like, that's chopping off two thirds of my family legacy. So that felt a little bit brutal. So we might just, you know, do the whole thing. Yeah. Well, Well, I think people after they hear enough of it, enough times repeated, (laughs) they'll eventually get it. So awesome. We had the privilege of hanging out about a month ago. Maybe you came through Nashville, got to write, which was huge because I don't know if I told you this, but I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Your writing, your artistry, your worship leading, songs like Ever Be and Spirit Move have just been huge. So obviously nobody starts there, like with songs on Bethel Records. Where, Where did you get your start? You know, I actually felt so disqualified for so much of my life. I kind of have that. We went into, you know, premarital counseling like everyone should do. And I remember the question inevitably comes up of like, you know, temperament and competition actually came up. And I, and I was like, no, I'm not very competitive. I don't like game nights. And they both laughed in my face, both the pastor and my husband. Like, how are you so off? What a glaring blind spot. And I actually, I think for a lot of my life, songwriting would have been kind of in that category of like, if I can't win, if I don't think I'm going to do good at it, if I don't think I have what it takes from the get-go, then I'm not going to try. And so you read all those articles, you know, from 
from these famous people. And they're like, yeah, but you know, I had my first three albums out by the age of eight, you know, all that. So I think, I think I felt really disqualified and I let that steal from me for a long time. And so actually coming out here, I would say Everby was actually the first song I actually put intentional effort to to start and actually see a finish to. Like the first song that you start and finished. Yeah. Was that song. Yeah. That's a pretty good start. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> I mean, it was like a good year-long process though of like, it felt like a souvenir actually of like a, a really long journey. And the real gold for me is every step along that path. I'm so proud of that song. But the whole thing that had to happen to get there is really the treasure for me. Things like fighting down those critical voices of like, hey, you really don't have what it takes. At this scale, people are going to find out. It's not going to be subtle. <laughs> you know, everyone's going to watch and, and see it. And so it took a lot in me to face those things down, to get up, to write every morning, to not just find and fit cliches, but actually the vulnerability of, if I do this, I really want to do it. And all I have is what I have. And so we'll see how it goes. So yeah, it was a, it was a big process. So what was the turning point though? Because I mean, going from not having the competitiveness and having songwriting be a, what I heard you say was almost kind of a little bit of an escape or something from, yeah. you know, something you didn't have any pressure on. Yeah. I think I naturally just need to keep check on that anyway. I like to be great at what I do. And if I'm not careful, that can really push into a comparison competitive thing, which doesn't feed creativity ever. It steals from it. So I think for me, it was a lot of honing in actually not super long ago, I kind of reached a point where all those things were mounting again of like, I just, I have my own expectations and I have all these other reasons why I'm writing and it's not joyful. It's not peaceful. It's not a place of process and solace with the Lord and I. It's become all this other stuff. And I actually got to a point where I had to get like ground zero with the Lord of like, look, maybe I just shouldn't do this. Maybe I'm done. And it was at that spot, kind of at the bottom where I felt the Lord say like, hey, pick up a piece of paper and a pen. And I began writing just what I was hearing. And it was like, do not write to prove anything to yourself. Don't write for anyone else. Don't write for money. Don't write for influence. Don't write for this, this. I mean, it was this full page. And at the end, I'm like, yeah, this feels good. See, I told you I'm not supposed to write, you know, like I knew it. And I felt like the Lord said, well, there's one last thing. Pick up your pen and write. You must write because heaven wants out. And I wrote that down and it felt like it finalized something for me where, where I went from, this is a hobby I'm testing out, where I'm putting myself on trial to like, no, this is something that the Lord now has put his fingerprint on, has called me to, and I need to take it seriously. Even if what I'm taking seriously is the lightness of it, the joy of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Was there specifically someone or something that happened in your life that was like that kind of catalyst for? I think actually like having this massive life change that I think is intrinsic to you. I had my first kid and I'm, you know, I work part-time in Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, traveling, writing. It just, it feels like this wild consolidation of like what... I don't want to do everything. I want to do what I'm meant to do well. And if I have to cut off some fat from the sides, then it's time to be a big girl and do that. And so it felt like kind of sifting through everything, like reprioritizing what matters, what's really important. I had the luxury for so long of just saying yes to everything, but I found that my yes is a lot stronger now. 
having to kind of go through and individually ask like, God, is your yes with me on this one? Because I'm just not interested in blind yeses wherever possible. So I think having a kid was a really big turning point for me. Can you give, because I mean, the opposite of that is saying no to a lot of stuff. Can you give any tips on like, because I know that's a thing that I struggle with. That's the thing with a lot of us struggle with is just prioritizing. What do we say yes and no to? Can you give any tips for that and how you maybe process things? I mean, I feel like most days I'm stumbling through it. You know, I do remember I was juggling a number of those things. This was as I was pregnant even. So before before a little one, but I remember sitting on the front church stairs at, at Bethel Church and just crying. I was talking with Jeremy Riddle actually before a service and just felt like I'm like at my breaking point. I don't know how to do anything more. Something has to go. And I remember saying like, that's when rubber hits the road and it has to get practical, right? It's not abstract. And I, I remember asking, well, what do I do? And I remember him saying like, hey, you can give up part of your calling. You might need to give up part of your calling and put it on the back burner for now or see if it comes back. What did he mean by that? Like, so did- like maybe you stop pastoring for a moment. Maybe you give up travel. Maybe you, you know, like yeah. maybe you cut something out that you know that you're made for. And he's like, well, you could either do that or there's another option. And I'm like, oh, I just don't feel good about dropping any of those. What's my other option? And he goes, you might need to dial back your own expectations of what excellence looks like in each of them and live kind of in a spot of, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be apathetic, but I'm going to intentionally choose. I have this much of myself to give here so that I can strategically give other parts of me and other areas. And that's a lot less comfortable. I actually think, you know, I mean, I think giving up something altogether, if that's what the Lord's telling you to do, there's going to be grace for it. And he, he swings things back around in a beautiful way. And he always honors that. I found the muscle control of having to actually hold back and not just give up something for me was was harder because what it confronted was my performance expectations, my what will people think if I lost my edge, if I, you know, all that stuff. And it really, it pruned me back in a pretty powerful way. So that, I mean, practically, what does it look like to give 80% of yourself? Sometimes. And then there's other times where the Lord's like, give a hundred here and you do that. So I think that's been big for me. Other... I'm trying to think of other practicals. I think being like waking up and just being aware, what do I have to give today? What is today looking like? I can't be savior. That position's already filled. I can't go around trying to prove something. Is that my motivation? Checking those gut level. Why am I doing this? Why am I saying yes? Why am I saying no? And are those the answers that the Lord has about this too? So backing up to ever be because that was sort of the song that put you on the map as a writer and artist on the Bethel record. What was the process (laughs) of, you know, how long did it take? How did it happen? Totally. I mean, that was such a funny one because like I was saying, I was just fighting down voices and insecurities and a lifetime of, of all these things. So that was a a really long process since I've actually had to come to terms with like, hey, it's not insincere or not significant if it doesn't take you four years to write a song. You know, like sometimes they're they're quick, but that one for me was about a year. I was kind of coached through in the process, you know, how to songwrite and had some voices bouncing back like, hey, that feels like we've heard it a million times. That feels like you're putting someone else's words in your mouth. That feels like you could probably get away with it. But what if you pushed further? What if you found new language? And people in the Bethel yeah, music Yeah, world. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I had someone recommend like, hey, wake up in the morning and actually like 
first thing before a word comes out of your mouth, before you take anything in, before you turn your phone on, just begin to write and not songwrite, just write what's inside. And I began to realize through that practice, I'm really backlogged. I don't actually know. I mean, because I had the chorus, I had the bridge. Those came really, really easily. It was the verses that were... When did those come? Like, do you remember? Yeah, totally. I was in a good old worship room set where it's two hours and you reach that hour and a half point and you're clear out of songs. The band's not doing great. And you need something that you can ride on for a half hour or it's going to be train wreck. So I, I'd love to say it was a profound moment. It was more of like, I need something I can repeat for a little bit. And that popped out. And the bridge, similarly, I, you know, we tweaked it a little bit, but that primarily just came, my grandpa passed away. Just thinking about him, I was thinking about like, man, he can hear again. What was he seeing? He loved to waltz and he's with my grandma now and they're waltzing. Like, what's that scene like? And so those two were simple. And I actually really felt the Lord say like, you have all these reasons inside why my praise will ever be on your lips, but you actually haven't done the process of staying current about why. You can't spit out right now what that is. And so these kind of waking up in the morning and having to get it out was this practice that was far more significant of owning my life story, owning my process, owning... And it it took me on trails back to disappointments years and years ago. It brought me to childhood places. It brought me to all these things that were like, I think held up in this kind of religious, don't think about it, don't talk about it. It's not pretty. It can't be good for anything. And I actually found, I remember Laura kind of told me like, you know when it's been a long winter in Minnesota and then finally there's like a hint of the sun. You run outside and you turn on your sprinkler, but it's never the clear water that comes out first. It's the murky dirt or like the mustard bottle, right? It's like all that sputtering. I just felt the Lord say like, hey, you have to value that stuff like you value the clear water because it's all your heart. And if you're only going to value the thing later, that's not the stewardship I'm looking for. I love it all. I value it all. I need you to value it all. So it was pages and pages and pages and pages of of heart process of things I didn't want to face because I thought it was murky water, but he saw in it like just Like just journaling. Journaling. I mean, like painful stuff. Stuff I like, I remember writing like, God, I don't know where you were when this happened and this and this and like gut level, honest pages and pages. And it kept coming. And I felt his presence with me, like, keep going. This is good. Got to get it out. At the very end, this like, it's like my hand wrote what my heart was saying. It didn't check with my mind. Like, I don't know where you were in all this, but you must have been close. Mm. And then I found myself, you know, in the middle, like I am nowhere in songwriting land. I'm so deep in my own process. And one day I was laying on the floor where I had been for hours processing journaling. Mm. And all of a sudden out pops, your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold. Mm. And I tear, even thinking about it now, I teared up because I knew like that's fresh water. Mm. That had everything to do with everything over here. But I found a moment of inspiration where I felt the Lord open up like, and now songwrite and now get the song out. How long of a process was that of like going through (laughs) just dealing with your stuff and like before you like stumbled onto that, those verses? Before those verses, I would say probably four or five, six months. It was a long time. And how did you know? I mean, I know it's it's a little bit of a process sometimes of writing stuff, trying it live, trying to lead it, see how it works. Yeah. Is that your process at all with songwriting or is it kind of that finish one, it? Totally. Yeah. That one, because I was kind of being coached, a lot of it was kind of submitting it back. Like, is this, as I'm going, really finding 
finding what I could actually say, being pushed further than I probably would have on my own. So a lot of it was kind of just in the like, hey, go write however long it takes. When you think you have something for a verse, come back. Four months later, I come back, you know, and there was still tweaking. It got to the point where we... Was that frustrating for you? Oh, man. Yeah, again, like near quitting over and over. If I was just in journal land, that was okay. When it started to go into the song, I'm like, how in the world... And I think sometimes we have to grapple with like no one song is ever going to capture the fullness of who I am. No one song will ever represent who a person is. So I actually, I'm as a listener, a lot more careful to judge the artist because I know there's a whole bunch that you're not saying when you did choose to say those lines. And and I think some of it was fear of being misunderstood. Like I put in so much time, all this stuff I want to say and thought I had to put it all there. But eventually we did find a draft that worked and we led it on a Sunday. Brian led the set and we introduced it. We were thinking about keeping the same pre-chorus of the first verse as the second one. And I think we might've led it that way, but there was something in me and it was cleaner. It makes more sense. But there was something where I'm like, I just got to sing about free of all her guilt, rid of all her shame. Cause that was so intrinsic to the process. And it's still the part that moves me yeah. more than any when I, when I sing it, which is just, it's funny that those little rules that you break cause your gut says. Like, like don't it. repeat the pre-chorus. Yeah. Like, there like has do to the be random other part because it moves you and maybe it would move someone else, you know? Well, that you hinted on a really good songwriting principle. Cause you, I mean, we, we talked about saying no to stuff, saying yes to yeah. stuff. I think with songwriting, the true skill is what lyrics to say no to. Yes. Because it's like, keep one North Star. Yeah. Keep one thing yeah. that the song's about. Yeah. And so when did you kind of know? Was it like the, that first time you let it that you guys were like, okay, this could be something? Or was it like, you know? The whole song? Yeah. Like when did it cross that tipping point of like becoming a… Okay, this oh, song sure. has some yeah, yeah. some steam behind it. So what was interesting was before this whole process, they were so patient with me. Before this whole process, that chorus began circulating in different services. It just kind of would, you know, jump on the end as a tag or I think a couple times the congregation just started singing it. So there was already kind of a momentum the to chorus that, part. to the chorus. Yeah. yeah. So it was more of an effort of like, hey, can we get verses that match? Can we get everything up to a level where it all feels as singable as that one part. Because sometimes you have those great choruses or tags and they don't ever really fill out to be a song for whatever reason. Maybe they all can be, but that was kind of the question is, can we do that with this song? So from a songwriter standpoint, because so many people are out there writing incredible songs for their local churches, for themselves, for themselves as an artist. What would you say are the big steps that somebody can take to getting a song, like just little starting basic steps to getting a song out to the, you know, the global church? Yeah. Boy, that's a great question. I think we always say around here, I think it was probably Matt Redman, I'm sure, originally said, (laughs) (laughs) it's like a safe place to quote, you know, totally. Uh, Like if it works in worship, it's going to work wherever. Or like if it works spontaneously, you know, it's going to work. And I think that principle happens on a lot of levels, whether it's like, yeah, it kind of popped out in worship. Can we write around it? If you know it already works in that setting, it's moving people's hearts. You know, I, I think I look at a global level and there certainly is a difference, but at one level, hearts are hearts, people are people, you know? And I think if there's something 
compelling enough of like, I just, I find a human experience in that. I find a relatability. I think there's something so magnetic about that. I think some of it's just the honesty of like, does it work on your own heart? Start there. Are you actually really moved by what you're saying? Is it working kind of on a, on a smaller level? Are people being moved by it? Is it creating a life of its own? And then finding places where maybe, you know, you continue to test that out. I think a lot of it is like, you see where it works and then just not forcing or, or pressing something. I think sometimes those things grow legs and just kind of take a life on of their own. And I don't know how practical that is. No, but. it's good. Do you think there's a, an element of it that you just don't know? Yeah, I like don't. Like it's just out of your hands and <laughs> Yeah, I mean probably. I I'm sure I'm sure there's ways to get strategic. I'm positive there's strategy to all of it. I think for me I watch pretty carefully like I think you can hear there's a way where it's okay and it's awesome to do it that way. It's a stewardship thing you should. For me I got to know my boundaries. Like am I doing this to force something? Am I doing this out of any kind of like self-promotion that feels kind of ishy because I think that stuff comes through on a song. I just you know what I'm saying like I'd rather not now it's not to go hide away, but when you cut corners, I'm like, oh, fundamentally, I'm not trusting the Lord with my life. I'm not trusting the Lord with the calling that he started. They're all echoes of his voice. So why am I trying to shout louder mm. to actually stand back and watch like, God, you tell me what to do. I'm going to take wisdom. I'm going to say yes to open doors, but I'd rather you open them than me, me kick them open. Yeah. It's just more peace that way. And I think that really is conveyed. You can feel that stuff in a song. You can pick up on it. And so for me, the practice that I've had with the Lord is just like, hey, I'm going to have an open yes. Like I'm going to give you my yes, God. But I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be hurried. I don't want to have like the the ticking clock of like, you're running out of time. You're going to be irrelevant. You're almost this age. All that dumb stuff, you know? <laughs> so you had Everbe, Spirit Move. That's probably your other most successful, yeah. most well-known song yeah. to date. Yeah. I mean, what, what was the story with that? How did that one come about? That one was, yeah, pretty different. I'm definitely long for that one too, but in a different way. The verse kind of popped out of nowhere and that was really pretty, pretty easy. I think um, I was in a time where I was hearing and seeing kind of culturally and just overhearing conversations about perceptions of God being like, you just got to somehow send up flares to get his attention or he just, he's kind of grabby, he's kind of egocentric, all that kind of stuff. No one would actually say that, but the the feel of it was that way. And it moved me to a place of like, that's just not how I know you, God. It's not, that's not who I've seen. And I remember like being in a moment where I was so moved by it. I was moved to tears and that thing just kind of popped out of like, I feel it in my bones, you're about to move, but not in a begging, twist your arm. I have to get your attention. You're up in the in the cosmos somewhere and would you notice me way, but like from a, no, I'm your daughter and you're good. And so I already have your ear. I already have your attention. That was kind of the intention of the song was to convey hunger and anticipation of him coming, but not in a begging, pleading kind of way. So wrote this whole song and it was much more kind of like intercessory, minor stuff that I like, but it didn't have the same kind of you know, impact. And so I remember I submitted it and I heard back like, hey, we like the first line. Mm. Keep it. 
I'm like, okay. And you were like, what about the rest? Oh my God. <laughs> totally. So we, <laughs> totally. Had you submitted a whole song? Oh yeah. And they were like. I had submitted a whole song. Christine DeMarco was leading the whole song, like different itinerant trips. So it was like, so what was weird with that one, we ended up keeping all the verses as is and completely redid the chorus and the bridge and the feel came out so much more energetic and kind of poppy. The bridge was my little, that was my little like, you know, wink to what it had been, which is a little bit more, you know, broody, I suppose. But the practice on that one, the exercise was completely reimagining a song entirely out of like a verse, which is such a bizarre kind of starting place. And so worked with Amanda Cook on it and she brought her, you know, pop princess magic to that chorus and really rhythmically kind of kept it. There's such a push and a pull, you know, to that, to the verse but that was really hard to capture. How do we bring that into a chorus? And of course, Amanda's the one to yeah, totally <laughs> to jump in on that. So, yeah, we we went around and around on what does this want to be more kind of spacious and poppy? Is this a corporate song? And I'm glad that we pushed it the way that we did because I actually leading it. It's I prefer to lead that over ever be mm. any day. Wow. What it does in the, that bridge, what it does kind of for a worship set mm. was what I hoped, I think, way back with like all those tears. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is just fun when that can happen. So in those moments, it, and I know because <laughs> I get those emails of like, you know, I think something's the best thing ever. Yes. And then <laughs> yes. whoever we're submitting it to, whether it's a label or manager, or, the reality is, is like, if it was just us, things would be really easy, but the songs <laughs> totally. probably wouldn't be. <laughs> Totally. Great. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you've kind of learned in the going back and forth process? Literally just even the mechanics of yeah. what does it take to write a song that works? Yeah, totally. For me, it was really getting over a fear of, I, I think there's a very natural tendency if you don't have worked out inside of you that you have what it takes to, I think there's a number of things that can happen. For me, it was getting kind of grabby and like, not in a bad way. It's just like, no, I have to do this on my own to prove something to myself that I can do this. And if I have other people help, then, well, it's just because Amanda's amazing, which she is, you know? And so I think it was a really big process of opening up and learning to give things away and learning like, hey, I, I don't have to have all the parts and pieces to this thing. I don't, I can't make a song about proving that. I need to have the humility of of opening it up. I need to have the humility of feedback because no one's trying to just, you know, take wind out of anyone's sails. We're trying to find something that's moving and that works. And they're thinking globally. I think that is some of the answer to the earlier question is like, who are people who who have a sense of that? Who have experience? Whose resumes point to? You know what you're talking about. I'm surrounded by brilliant people. So Brian, you know, Brian was right there being like, hey, what if we tried this? I think we can make this better. Brian knows what he's talking about, you know? And so deferring and and learning like I'm on this process this is an investment in songwriting for my future and that means I have to posture myself like a learner I have to learn how to do that so yeah yeah. which is huge I mean you hit on a big point that most well I would say probably most writers never get to and that's the fact that you have the mentorship element and having somebody with a track record who you know, you're in a position to hear from them and to glean from them. Yeah. So that's huge. But a lot of writers can't get over the 
I don't know, call it pride or the ego or the, like, I have to do it myself yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. There is like, I mean, it's, we're talking about, again, these songs work if you're moved by them, right? So like some of your prerequisite is I want to feel attached to this mm-hmm. thing. Otherwise, what what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the unique thing then is when you open up something you're really attached to and say like, okay, have at it. You know, like, I think it's okay for that to sting. Mm-hmm. I think living in that tension means you're doing something kind of right. And I don't have all that balance figured out. I do know like, I really love the people I'm around. I know they're for me. And I know that they are wanting to put out songs that open up places for a move of God. Like that's all that I want. So mm-hmm. our vision's the same. What we're going after is the same. So there is a trust element that hits pretty deep. Then that's been learned. You know, I mean, that's like over the years seeing like you really have the best interest in mind. Not that I have any reason to doubt that about you. Just all my stuff can challenge or question that. So so are you, and this is kind of a new thing, Callie, as an artist, right? I yeah. mean, did you kind of ever plan on no. do, doing your own record? And I mean, I remember being like, I, I'm still, I feel like I'm still kind of, you know, wading through some of it. It's because it's so crazy to think about. I, I remember being like, you know, maybe when I'm in my 50s, I'll have enough to say. I'll maybe I'll make a masterpiece and my voice might sound like who knows what at that point. But, you know, maybe some people would be touched. I, I think it was always the by and by. It was after everything I might have enough to say. So having that kind of moved up so abruptly right in front of me is amazing. I'm super excited. I think over the last couple of years, this real quiet desire inside of me of like, oh, that sounds terrifying, but I do think I really want that, you know? And much probably like the songwriting process of like just times 10, you know, or, or however many songs are on there. How do I grapple with my own imperfection, my own releasing something that's going to be mid-process. And I might not, I hope I don't agree with all of it 10 years from now, because that means I've grown, but that's vulnerable. You know, nothing nothing profound, but I think I'm feeling those things about myself for the first time. So you have a lot of reluctance to it. I guess, was it like an external, like people coming to you and saying, we, we think that you have a record inside you, or we think that you've... yeah. Yeah, I think, man, I'm so, I'm really grateful for for Bethel Music. I'm grateful for this collective because it has largely been, again, a lot of the code of the Lord is like, God, I want to say yes to open doors. And I feel like I really trust the Lord to speak through my leaders and watching those things kind of open and really trusting that process, trusting the timing on things, not going into comparison, whether it's, I mean, any side of that you could, you could play, you know? So I think the reluctance is something that is going, going, gone in me of just like, oh, this is new. This is, a, this is a new journey. But really more and more excitement, feeling so much belief, you know, from from people who know me have watched the journey. That feels really different than when you just kind of, you know, lone wolf it and kind of walk out on your own, which there's a... That's great too. I'm just I'm really grateful to be surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. So where in the process are you? I'm in the the writing zone. Have a lot of, you know, song starts potential. I think I'm at the point with a lot of them where I'm like, okay, this is when you open it up, you start to show, you start getting feedback on like, oh, you like the first lot? Okay, let's, you know, let's dial it back. Let's, let's camp there because that's a great, that's the thing I, we get questions on all the time. Yeah. How do you know when a song is ready to be at that point? 
Yeah. Man, I mean, I feel like I'm still walking that out a little bit. I wonder if every song's a little different. For me, it's when I'm at a point where I'm like, I feel like I'm spinning in circles a little bit as to what more I could contribute or how much more I could do. There's a lot of songs that I feel like I'm sitting on too, where I'm like, there's more work to be done. It's just a matter of sitting down and you know, hitting my head against the wall a couple more times to try to find that lyric, you know, that kind of thing. That's different than like, I think this is as far as I'm going to take this, but I really believe in it. And I really, I I want contribution. I want ideas, even if it's dialing it way back or like, hey, we, we agree it's ready. I think that's something that the song kind of tells you or, you know, finds a voice to say like, hey, we're good. We need someone else now. Are you thinking when you're writing at all about things like rhyme or phrasing or like overall theme? Like, yeah. what's, is your process have that kind of stuff yeah. happen at all? I think so. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I really, I love words, like total word nerd. And so for me, naturally, writing is a, a very comfortable place for me. I'll, I'll like start journaling and inevitably there's always a point and I don't mean to, but it turns into rhyme. It turns into cadence. It turns, so the bigger process for me has been learning how to pair that with a melody where I'm not cheating a melody, where I'm not, where I might need to sacrifice some syllables I really liked or some sounds that just don't sing quite well. And learning how to actually move that from kind of a poetic open setting to a song structure. And admittedly, the musicality end of it wouldn't be my expertise at all. It feels like a language I'm I'm learning. And a lot of the strategy there is just to to work with people who are really strong in that area, team up, you know, not have to be great at all of it. Cause that's that's just not where I'm at at, at this point. And when can we expect a record? So end of 18, yeah, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So we got some time. Yeah. Cool. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up, we always have kind of the, the same question that we ask everybody that yeah. comes on the show is thinking back to before Bethel, before you jumped into this whole thing, before yeah. Callie is an artist and worship leader and songwriter, mm-hmm. what is one thing, knowing what you now know, wish you would have done differently over the years? I think I would have just started to give it a try. I would have gotten over all the obstacles I thought I needed to pass to just get in the game, just start to do it. I think I I wish I would have been more comfortable trying and failing over and over and over and over again. Because as long as you live hypothetically, you can't get feedback. You don't actually know what you're dealing with. You don't know things that are better off than you thought, things that need more growth than you imagine until it's actually right out in front of you. The humility of the try. You know, I think I wish yeah. I wish I would have moved from from hypothetical into the reality of let's actually get to work here. I, I follow, I'm kind of a podcast junkie. Yeah. I listen to tons of podcasts. One I listened to recently was with Mark Zuckerberg, yes. Facebook CEO. And yeah. it was like, if you're not embarrassed by yes. your first iteration of something, <laughs> yes. then you're waiting too long to put it out. Ah, that's really good. So That's really good. Maybe it's different for songwriters, but... Huh. I've it been trying him. to, it works for him because they're just constantly, <laughs> it's the try. It's yeah. trying, having the humility of yeah. getting feedback that you may not want to hear. Totally. So totally. that's, that's such good advice. That's, that's awesome. awesome. So, awesome. well, thanks for taking the time yeah, to be you. on the show today. Awesome. So fun to be with you. Yeah. Hi, this is Seth Mosley and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, The Why of the Music Biz. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes. Leave us a good rating and a good review. Just take five seconds and do that right now if you haven't already. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week.